This episode of Everything is Awesome is brought to you by Telest. Telest is a fantasy world created by Michael D'Angelo. Spanning 15 novels and novellas, Telus is a place of magic and splendor, where great heroes fight for the people. Some of these heroes are blessed with the strain, granting them uncanny abilities. The Telus universe is medieval superhero fantasy with steampunk elements that mix with several different mythologies. With so much to choose from, the world is in your hands. Get more information, purchase the books, and discover the world of Telus at Telus.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. Wow, that was a tongue twister. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, it's been it's been a hot minute since I've sat down to do a uh, proper intro for a show, something that will be phased out in the next few episodes here. Um, but 2019 um, has been the year of catching up. Uh, 2019 has been, um, and, and really the end of 2018, I don't know, those of you that listened to some of the episodes, you all know, the end of 2018 rocked me pretty hard. It was the anniversary of my uncle's passing. Um, at that point, uh, it was, he, he passed in 2016, so it was the second anniversary of his passing. Um, and um, just a few days after that, my father was diagnosed with cancer, and then uh, just a week or two later, we, we found out that it was, um, a pretty bad diagnosis, um, that, that, you know, again, if you've been listening more or less, um, I mean, it's still not great, uh, but, uh, with, with proper medication, he can, uh, he can live a long, full life. Um, but anyway, um, so, so it's been a hot minute since I've done one of these intros. I kind of had a mental break from, from that and just other things going on, um, and, I have not done a lot of recording in 2019, uh, save for some live shows, some panels and stuff like that. Um, and we have, um, interviews that are, that are, gosh, I don't know. Um, I, f- I feel like this one was recorded in 2019. Um, but probably not because, uh, today's guest, I, um, I didn't officially meet at PAX Unplugged 2018, uh, but I, uh, bought her game and then we died and um tweeted about it and that's how this interview came about i think we we recorded it um if not in uh if not in like november or december of 2018 it was it was january of 2019 uh but we have as you know if if it uh, wasn't a buried lead uh we have game designer emma larkins here uh she's the host of ludology and table takes uh, and in this week's episode, we chat about game design. Um, she at the time had a few different games that she was working on, uh, but we did hone in on, uh, and then we died as well and talked about how, um, that game isn't maybe just for adults. Maybe it can be used with kids and whatnot. And well, you'll listen to us talk about it. Uh, make sure you check out Emma on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at Emma Larkins. That's E M M A 
L-A-R-K-I-N-S. And of course, you can go to EmmaLarkins.com for more information. Let's not keep you here. I'm trying to keep these intros short and sweet. Let's get to my interview, my conversation with the one, the only, the great Emma Larkins right here on AwesomePodcast.com. average evening for you it's i'm i'm uh philadelphia based so oh, nice. it's 10 30 at night oh well, yeah <laughs> uh and uh it's also freezing cold Ugh. uh and i don't know how clear i've made this to uh the, the listeners but i record out of my florida room which is a great room in the summer mm. but at 10 30 at night uh it's pretty <laughs> oh, no. pretty cold uh-huh. so but you're you're based out of uh i know pacific time is it is it California, Seattle. Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's. So it's, it's, it's not, I was gonna say it's not always warm there, right? It's nippy. It's like fifty degrees, which is you know, <laughs> tough. It get, you know gets down to like forty, and everyone starts to grumble a little bit. That's. Uh, <laughs> I wish I lived in that life. We're like, oh man, the worst it's gonna get is like high forties, oh, maybe mid forties. Yeah, I mean, it's like. It'll go down to freezing, but it like it never snows. It snowed like maybe once last year and doesn't stick around. So it's pretty. I mean, it's just like it gets dark because we're pretty far north. So the days are kind of very short. It's dark. It's always cloudy. Um, but it's not super cold. I'll tell you what. The, since uh, like fall mm. has started, or or whenever you, we we change clocks, whenever mm. that happens. No way to know. November. <laughs> sure. Uh, that has been Philadelphia mm. or the, like the East Coast mm. or at least where I live. I go to work uh, and it's – well, I go to work pretty late in the morning because I have to drop my kids off at school. Mm. But uh, I leave at uh, 6.30. Sometimes I'll like walk outside just to get some fresh air at 4.30 mm. and it's pitch black out. Mm. And it's I've never seen it that dark at 4.30 in the afternoon in the 34 years I've been alive. Yeah. It was It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so what's the, and I, and this is not a weather podcast, I swear, but what's, <laughs> what's the worst that happens in Washington okay. if it's, or, or Seattle? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, maybe it's not a weather podcast, but people are very focused on the weather of Seattle. People, everyone seems to have an opinion about Seattle and how much it rains here. It's not it's really not that bad especially summer like we're actually a very uh low humidity like arid climate so for basically the whole summer like we're actually in a drought this summer uh because it rained maybe like one or two times the winter is like drizzly and like as i mentioned 40s ish um so it's you're selling me on washington yeah i mean mean, as long as you like have honestly people here like i carry an umbrella because i used to live in new york city and i'm a huge dork but everyone Mm -hmm. else you know they just like have their jacket hood down just lightly sprinkling and it's it's nice uh tornadoes (laughs) are you saying that because of the no no, asking question mark are there tornadoes that's the complete question apparently yes as of like a week ago a tornado touched down in like a neighborhood and ripped the houses, the roofs off okay. of like three houses. Right. Well, then I'm out. <laughs> so, I mean, I think a fluke because it's, yeah, that was very bizarre. Yeah. That's uh, the, what I say about this area is that, listen, I, ha- I hate the snow. Mm. I literally would rather deal with almost anything else mm. except for 
tornadoes and earthquakes and and by golly uh there, there were some earthquakes that we felt uh in the last few years so i'm, yeah. I'm getting I don't, I don't know where i'm gonna move yeah. because i don't know where it's safe, where it's safe? Uh, hmm. yeah. yeah it's tough uh so are you uh born and raised uh from from washington no i'm a pretty recent transplant uh my partner recently become husband we just got married less than a month ago um got a job at Congratulations. amazon thank you he got a job at Amazon out here. We uh, have a lot of friends who are already living out here. So we moved here from New York City uh, about two years ago. Um, and I had lived in New York City for a few years. But other than that, I've kind of lived a little bit all over the place. Oh, okay. So so origin point is is uh, mysterious because you've been all over. Yeah, I... <laughs> I never know whether to go into like the whole story because people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, well, and I like list off like five states and they're like, okay, that's a lot. Well, okay. Well, this is the podcast to do it. This is okay. where you, you're allowed to say anything <laughs> and, and, and mm. as much as you want. California, Maine, Maryland, Virginia, New York, and now Washington. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say uh, out of everything you just mentioned, the one that um, I, I like the least is Maine. Uh, really? And, that, and that's because well, it's the beautiful, snow. but it's, there's, yeah, it's a lot of snow. Yeah. Um, more, yeah. Even more than here. I, I used to travel for work, so mm. I've been lucky enough to like at least set foot in about 26 states, I think it was. Nice. Uh, and, and I have visited the entire uh, original colonies mm. and, and maybe even the whole East Coast. Um, and my... Maine. The reason I, I don't like it. It's beautiful. Mm. I will like. I, I can see the inspiration. Mm-hmm. I can see why people would go there to <laughs> mm-hmm. like write uh, or just seclude themselves. Yeah. But like, it was May and it was snowing, and that ain't right. <laughs> it's just wrong. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the equivalent of uh, one year. I don't know. Maybe you were on the East Coast when this happened, mm. but it was like two or three years ago hmm. when, uh, at least in Philadelphia, it was like. 95 degrees on christmas day i had to have the air conditioner on mm, right yeah that like that's uh that's the only time i want snow is on, right, on christmas right, right. eve and christmas day just a dusting so. you know make it kind of festive mm. yeah i mean as far uh, as mark as maine goes i like have good friends up there i've had good times up there but when the best when people talk about the state it's like the best they can say about it, it's like it's pretty it's really pretty yeah it's yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, have you ever been to bangor maine uh, yes. Uh, oh God, so far north. Yeah. Well, okay. So when I, when people are like, oh, you're from Maine, where from, I have to like work backwards because there's so many like townships and my town yeah, had yeah. like 800 people in it. So I'm like, I'm from Orland and they like blank. I'm like, it's near <laughs> Bucksport, like blank. It's like, it that's near Bangor. And they're like, there you go. Ah, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I, I lived about uh, an hour away from Bangor. I remember the first time I, I flew out there uh, and I was like, Bangor, Maine. It, and it was like, the flight was ridiculously long mm. for what I assumed like an East Coast flight to be. Mm. And like, I was like, this is crazy. And it's literally the furthest north you can fly in the United States mm. oh, uh, before you hit Canada. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I guess that doesn't include like Alaska. I guess Alaska is technically yeah. further yeah. north, but the continental. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you can fly anywhere further north than huh. Bangor, Maine. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, up there. Don't take that as yeah. Don't take that as like fact. I mean, that's a good fact. <laughs> but, but, no, it's fact. It's in my brain now, so I believe yeah. this as truth. <laughs> Hundred. I mean, it's true as far as any listener of this show is mm. concerned. Uh, so what? So what got you into to game design? Uh, you know what? You know what? That's. I'm sorry. That, I I want to talk about that, but before we get there, 
you mentioned uh, recently um, getting married. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did, like, I saw when you first posted that, mm. which uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I, I didn't say anything because I figured we'd be talking at some point. Mm. Uh, and then um, I, like, I kind of really just looked at that tweet and that thread mm. real good today. Mm. And it's like you stayed in, like, uh, like a, a fairy forest. It's it's <laughs> that, that treehouse thing is amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, I just is it really like just like uh, you're in a fantasy land? Like it feels like that's what it is. Pretty much, yeah. It was it kind of weird and wonderful how it all came together. So we're uh, so we got engaged this year at Gen Con, um, okay. and. So yeah, very short timeline. Neither of us is super traditional. So we're like, oh, we might have like a party for people at some point. But for the wedding, we just want to do something like really fun and nice, you know, just something we can mm-hmm. enjoy. So um, I had been talking to someone here and they'd mentioned the tree houses. And I'm like, tree, okay. I'd like, to be fair, sorry, I, I understood this. Someone's like, you can like go stay in tree houses. And I was like, I want to go to there because like trees, forests, the idea of tree house, like in love with it. I always wanted to like build yeah. tree houses growing up. So I was like totally sold. So I looked it up and right there, like front page of the website's like elopement packages. Let us take care of everything and have a lovely day. Like, yes, <laughs> sign me up for that. It's, I, I'm, super intrigued by it because mm. like I, I guess like kind of in the same boat like i've oh i guess i always wanted a treehouse and i didn't really know it until yeah i mean i want to say right now yeah. like <laughs> until, because until this moment because it's not, yeah because it's not i mean i don't think it's something you really think about i'm an only child so mm. so uh it's not something that i necessarily ever thought about because like no one i knew had a treehouse so like mm. it never was on my radar right. until like you know i don't know i guess in shows and pop culture and yeah. stuff but yeah. uh I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I don't think Treehouse, I feel like it's way underselling what that, uh, that yeah. palace is. Yeah. It's not like a few planks, like rickety plants nailed to a tree. No, this is like, um, yeah, because it's this guy, uh, Nelson, I forget what his first name is, but he's like literally the tree whisperer. He goes around the country <laughs> making these like fabulous, amazing tree houses um, for people. He has a TV show. And I've heard people talk about the TV show where he just like leaps up into the tree and he's like, oh, this is a really good tree. I've got a vision. Mm. Um, but yeah, they were, it was heated. There was electricity. There was lighting. We got the fancy one that even had a bathroom in it. So oh yeah. it just seems very dangerous. Everything you just, except for maybe the bathroom, everything <laughs> else seems very dangerous to have near wood. Yeah. Fair. Oh my gosh, yes. The thing you don't know until you spend a night in a tree house is trees move a lot. (laughs) Oh my god. It was super windy that weekend. So we were just in it and like the whole thing would shake. You're like, oh my gosh, it's an earthquake. And then, oh no, wait, I'm in a tree. I guess trees just move. And we'd hear noises. And it's like, are you like shaking your chair or something? It's like, that's not me. That's the tree. The tree is like commuting with us right now. I might be out. If it's earthquake-esque, I might be out. But it's a little shaky. Uh, it's it's uh it, it definitely is something that's like I wish was closer mm. to the East Coast. I like I went on a deep dive. I like I, I went on a on a I don't typically go on deep dives for interviews because I like to have a natural conversation. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I did want to do a little bit of a deep dive because like other than the the game uh, uh, and then we died, mm-hmm. uh, like I literally didn't know much about you. So like, let me do a little deep dive. Yeah. Just like a tiny. And then I went on the biggest deep dive of this treehouse and like visited <laughs> the website. Yeah. I went to all the sub websites for the, all the different locations. Yeah. And like now it seemed like yours was a little bit like a cozy place, like yeah. a, a nice place for two people. Yeah. But there's like mansion treehouse this guy has built <laughs> yeah. it's insane i want to watch a show it, like right? i was instantly like uh just like in love yeah. uh, with the concept at least um but uh, okay so n- now we got uh that that was like that was my big concern i that was i wanted to get to that within this hour of yeah. conversation you gotta cover the treehouses uh, the important that so the important stuff is out let's talk about the fun stuff uh with with game design yeah um, so w- when did, uh, like the, the love for games, whether it be just as like a player or, or a designer, what, like what, what happened first? I, I have to assume as a player, uh, yeah. but like what, what, when, and like what game, um, like really made you fall in love with like being a board game uh, person Ooh. or a tabletop. Ooh. Cause I was always have to say, uh, games in general, uh, I have to give a callback just forever. We were lucky to have, uh, mostly starting with digital games because tabletop as it exists right now is really very modern only within the last 20 years and more so even the last like seven years has it become what it is what we know today as the board game hobby Uh, so i think a lot of gamers came to it either from role-playing D, which has been around for a while or from the digital style of it uh, side of it Uh, as far as it was, it's interesting because I kind of came to board game design and board game playing simultaneously. Oh, okay. Because I know a lot of the people I know in the hobby and the industry have been serious gamers for years and years. Um, just been doing this forever. And for me, I only really started playing modern tabletop games like three or so years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, three, yeah, I'd say like uh, five-ish years ago, because Phil, uh, my husband, who started to get me into the the tabletop side, because I've always been a a digital gamer, like played uh, pretty much everything under the sun, Uh, and I even um, was running a digital game designer community in uh, in while when I was in New York City, so. Mm-hmm. I was even in the digital design side of it and still not really like playing a lot of tabletop games. And Phil, when, when we met, like he was actually working on and is still working on a uh, tabletop game design. So I was able to see the project that he was working on. So like, oh, that's interesting. And he had the shelf, you know, that I've uh, now we have the shelf. But back then, you know, it's like if you have the shelf, you some people have, there's a Monopoly and there's a, mm-hmm. you know, an Uno or something, but he had the full shelf and I was like, I would see it at his house and we would do, we played a lot more digital games together, but eventually started working into some of these um, tabletop games. And I think the big early one that had a really important impression on me was City of Iron by Ryan Lockett. Mm-hmm. That was an experience because never played uh do you know ryan lockett and the red raven games no no so i uh, so my background with tabletop games is actually even like way more uh novice than than you okay. I, probably your your start yeah, so yeah. I, 
so so no i i, I know um i'm a, i'm a like tabletop gamer through like role-playing games nice. and board games and yeah. card games yeah like I'm more of an enthusiast than I am. Like I, this 2019 is my year where I want to like really get into the community. Like I've been yeah. to Pax Unplugged the last two years now. Um, and this, I mean, this past year was like such a wonderful experience mm. compared to the first year. Um, and, and they treated everybody uh, like, and when I brought my son on Sunday, so mm. like treated everybody, especially the kids on Sunday, super, super good. Nice. Um, and like, so, like I said, I mean, I, I've played obviously board games since yeah. I was a kid. Um, but never anything like, I, God, the craziest board game I played as a kid, if I, maybe, maybe like risk, like yeah, nothing, yeah. like nothing out too out there. Right. 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 Um, and even, even as an adult, uh, like I would say more recently, um, just from like finding Kickstarters and stuff, like Kickstarter has been, been huge yeah. in that, uh, in that market. Um, is is like exploding kittens the mm-hmm. card game uh my son wanted for christmas so we got him for that nice. and, and he like a fun little uh game i don't know if it's appropriate for a seven-year-old but we got the family version <laughs> yeah. The, yeah yeah we didn't get the we didn't get the uh not safe for work version. yeah yeah um uh and i'm trying to like there, there's definitely some other like random card games and definitely like def- more recently role-playing games yeah. have been a much bigger factor um like I guess like Doctor Who uh, is something that I played a few times. Nice. Um, Starcrossed, uh, I played very recently, uh, and then of course like Dungeons and Dragons and yeah. stuff. But that's like that's even though I have a lot, a lot of like digital um, manuals for for role playing games, and mm-hmm. I have some, I have some other like I have like we actually have a nice little collection of board games because of Pax Unplugged and us finding stuff like this Christmas was kind of like a very tabletop Christmas. Nice. We just have to like sit down and dive into stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I was always a video game player. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, more so than anything else. So yeah. So so uh, that was the really long winded way of saying no. I don't know who uh, Ryan is. Or yeah. That's so. Please explain. So let me paint you a word picture because this is like, um, the reason I ask is because. Ryan in particular as a designer goes big. So these are like your, your kitchen table just covered in like there's a big board and little boards and there's piles of bits here and piles of bits here. And the the book is like a D&D player's manual, basically the rule book for this game. You're just sitting like, this is a lot of stuff. I don't know if, if we're going to figure out these things don't seem to even, uh, what is this like face thing? I don't know what this is. So, uh, and Phil being more of a, a tabletop gamer, um, like, and together, like it was just the two of us too, you know, like a lot of times when you're coming into the hobby, you have more people to guide mm-hmm. you a little bit, but just like working through this rule book, uh, we figured it out, you know, we, we played the game. It took us at least three hours, maybe four hours. And, I sat back after I was just like, my brain was melted. Like I'd never, not even like taking quizzes or tests or anything had I felt just so thoroughly just done. (laughs) Melted, I think is a good term, but in in a positive way, it's like going to the spa, you know, for like 10 Mm -hmm. hours and you just soak there and you come out and it's just like everything is a race like you ex- yeah. like a, going on a really good run or something you know just okay. everything is aligned all your particles like your brain just can't think anymore so everything is just like nice and quiet and yeah, violent yeah, and yeah. 
Yeah. It's I, I the only the closest experience I have to that it just it, off the top of my head is is I'm not a big uh, like spa guy. Mm. I'm not a big massage guy. Mm. I don't really like being uh, touched in that way, especially by strangers. Mm. But uh, I don't I forget why. I guess my fiance just had like an extra credit for her massage mm. place. Uh, so we went and like, and she's like, all right, we're, we're not going to get cu- a couple's room. Cause that's weird. I was like, I'm not going unless it's not like, I'm not going to be in a strange room yeah, with a stranger yeah. by myself. And, and it, we like, we made a night of it. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was, I've gone, I've only been twice now, mm-hmm. but it is definitely like I left feeling super relaxed yeah. and I, I mean, I'm a guy, I used to like do WWE style, style wrestling mm-hmm. in, in the backyard and also was trained somewhat professionally and, and did it locally here in the Philadelphia, well, the, the Bucks County area mm-hmm. of Philadelphia, the suburb. Uh, so like I have probably 15 years of, of like taking bumps and <laughs> just a lot of pain yeah. on my back. So like it, it was such, uh, it was uh, that feeling, that mind melting feeling, but mm. in a positive way. Um, and it's, I guess like really good storytelling can get me there, Yeah, uh, but it's got to yeah. be really, really good yeah. storytelling. And, and I can, so I can see how like a game could totally make someone feel that way. And it's interesting too, because I think a lot of people who come to the hobby are looking for that experience in particular, or other people are looking for, you know, the wacky exploding kittens experience, yeah, yeah. but what, and especially you know, taking, like taking on trying new board games as a practice and like kind of forcing myself to keep trying new games and working at the board game store and like seeing all these games over time more and more. It's not just that like, oh, they have this one experience. It's all about like melting your brain. It's just that tabletop games have so many experiences. So like that was the first of many very different experiences, um, but all with this underpinning of being in a shared space, being uh, interacting like live in real time with other people. Yeah. And and I, I mean, I, what I love about tabletop gaming, whether it be board game, card mm-hmm. game or, uh, or or role playing game is is that and especially seeing my son take to it so much uh, this year at PAX Unplugged mm. is like it's it kind of harkens back to when I was a kid. Like I, I said, I was a video game kid, but quite honestly, like I was also very much a board game kid. Now, mm. like you said, I think back at least when I was a kid, um, uh, you know, board games were at least my parents maybe weren't in the know. So they weren't like anything fantastical, like uh, exploding kittens or uh, sellers of, of Catan, mm-hmm. at least not in, in my life. Like it was monopoly and it was life. Yeah, and it yeah, was, yeah. You know, just all the standard games that like most kids play at some point in their life or most people, I should say yeah. most people play at some point in their life. Um, but like, that was a very big part of my life. Uh, that, that magic, the gathering was also like a big part of my teen years or my preteen years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so, and that, and when I was a kid, um, and I keep saying that because I just naturally assume I'm always a decade older than everyone I talk to. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, um, but when I was a kid, like video games were around. Yes. But aside from video games, there wasn't like all these different options like Netflix. Like, yes. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, watch it like on demand even like on demand wasn't a thing yeah. if you wanted to watch a show you had to be at your tv at a certain time oh my uh, gosh unless, no, I feel old. yeah yeah if, unless you had a vcr or, or something like that but um yeah i mean it, 
so there wasn't as many choices when I was a kid. That's why I think board gaming was like has a bigger role in my mind than mm. I than I see it now. Like I see how it can not be part of someone's life yeah. pretty easily because there's just so much to choose from. Yeah. Um and 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 maybe like that's kind of why there's such a robust uh tabletop like community now is because there there's so much to choose from mm. outside of board games that you need something to like draw people in that has maybe a different hook than Monopoly. Um and and just seeing like my son is six, he'll be seven actually. At the time of this recording, he'll be he'll seven in about a week. Mm. And um but seeing like going to Packs Unplugged and um we went in like the kids learning area uh nice. the first part of the day and like he fell in love. We played a couple games, but he fell in love with this little card game called Spotted. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah. So it was a fun game, mm. but he got into it mm-hmm. like like him and this other kid, my friend's uh, daughter. Like they were like raging against each other. They were so into it, yeah. um, and, and they were only playing like with well, the one style of it, and, and it was just a, such a neat experience. Yeah. And then, like going to the game library, and I, I forget what games we got out from the library, but like seeing like him just kind of fall in love with board games. Mm. Uh, like I was like, I can't, like I, I really can't wait to go next year. Um, hopefully as like more than I was part of the, the media this year. Mm. Uh, I'm hoping to go as like something bigger in 2019 uh, if I actually get off my butt and do stuff. But um, but regardless, like I can't wait to go. And and like my daughter, who is going to be five in May, like she was like, well, I want to go next yeah. year. Oh. And so like I'm while the first two days will very much be just a Kev day. Mm. Um, Sunday is going to probably be the whole family, uh, which is so cool. Like that's I think what um at the heart of tabletop gaming um it's it's about family and that and that doesn't mean like actual blood family yeah. like if, you know i think everyone knows family can be you know close friends it's it's more than just blood yeah yeah and it's just that feeling that you're describing because i have some of the games that i'm working on are more targeted towards a kids or family audience and just seeing first of all first of all, how freaking smart some of these kids are with the games and just like their level of knowledge and like knowing how the stuff goes and seeing them get excited about something. Kids just get so excited. You know, one of the games I was testing at PAX Unplugged, a family came by who was actually there last year and played the game. Um, This dad and two daughters, and they came by again this year to play my game specifically in the Unpub Hall. And I was like, well, just so you know, you know, it's it's changed because that's how game design works. It changes over time. It's not going to be the same game. But luckily, they still really enjoyed it. And just saying things like, I want to play this game like 10,000 times. And, you know, the way that kids do. So it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just so gratifying to, to see them. And I think, too, like, you know, video games have always been in this weird space. I'm not sure about you, but for me, my mom would my parents had kind of a a love hate relationship with it. It's like, well, it keeps them entertained, but they're on there for so long and, you know, starting to screen. I don't know how I feel kind of like mixed emotions. Whereas Mm. for tabletop games, there's really nothing to be mad at unless your kid wants to play. So you should go 300 times in a row and eventually you might get bored of it. But um, yeah, there's, there's just nothing to, if you're together you're hanging out you're not fighting hopefully so <laughs> yeah uh it, yeah, i try and think like looking at I, I don't think there was ever like any kind of relationship when it came to video games with my parents because like i i grew up on quite literally grew up on video games mm-hmm. like I, I was i think the nintendo came out the year i was born mm. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it, or, or at least around about that time. Um, so like, it, and I remember very specifically as a kid, like an Atari being in my house mm-hmm. when I was like three, maybe like, I want to say three years old. I know it's hard to say like you have this memory when you're three. Cause like you don't really have memories when you're that young. Um, but I was under the age of seven. I just, I know that. And I remember th- my parents playing some like game where you have to break out of jail or something mm-hmm. on, on this Atari. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my parents, and that was their video game experience. Like they uh-huh. didn't go, they didn't really go beyond uh, the Atari. Mm. Um, so for them, it was like a novelty. And then yeah. when, when I was, bo- when, when I was born and interested in video games, I don't, I think I just had a really healthy relationship. Like I, I think I played a lot, but again, I also like, interacted with friends like i remember very specifically being outside running around until you know nine o'clock at night which is you know a insane i don't know why my parents let me stay out that late yeah uh as an elementary school kid Mm -hmm. i would never let my kids stay out that late but and maybe it was the summer but even that like it's i don't know different times in 2018 but like very much in the in the late 80s early 90s i was outside running around a lot as well as playing video games a lot so like I, i think i just happened to have a healthy relationship with it yeah where i played a lot but I also did other things and had good grades and, yeah. you know, I wasn't like on drugs. So yeah. like my parents were, were <laughs> Check, uh, not on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I, all the check marks of having a good kid, I guess mm-hmm. like they, I hit, you know, you know, so see for that one time, like, the few times I drank underage, like that mm-hmm. was the only, uh, that I know of the only disappointment they've ever told me <laughs> to my face. I'm sure there's yeah. plenty uh, yeah. that they've never told me about, but, um, but yeah. So I, I, I but I do get the, Cause like that's as a, as a parent now, like I live in that world of like yeah. balance. Yeah. Of, okay. Like I understand bling. I played video games all the time as a kid and I turned out fine. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I mean, my fiance would probably have something else to say about that, but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, fine ish at the very least. So there, so as a parent, I understand that fine balance. And for me, like, even if it's the, the dullest board game, I'd rather my kid want to play that 300 yeah. times than want to sit down and play. Fortnite for for three hours straight or to play i'll even go to a game that i like castle crashers like i love castle crashers but i don't want to sit around well i I want to sit around and play it for three hours but i don't want my kids to sit around and play it for that long yeah um so i I, yeah it's it's i think so so when you're designing games like Hmm. because very obviously uh the game that i purchased and then we died is not a kid game (laughs) uh but but so so where and I would do want to very specifically talk about that game because yeah. I have yet to play it. I'm I, we actually have a game night with friends set up, uh, like in the next month or so that I very much plan on bringing that game to to play, nice. but um, and I'm excited to play it. But uh, I, what's like the difference? How do you approach game design when you're designing for adults or designing for kids, yeah. especially like I, I mean, I'm only assuming you don't have kids, so like. Do, I mean, okay. I don't want to be assumptions. Do you have kids? <laughs> I do not have kids yet. Okay. So especially like when you don't have kids, um, yeah. I imagine it might be even harder to design in that mindset, but you tell me. Yeah. I first it's, it's interesting that you say not that. And then we died is not a game for kids. Cause I definitely think it's not something that I would market towards kids or like, that would be the target audience for it. But I know me growing up, like I read Goosebumps. Um, I used to read just like, not horror stuff, but creepy. 
mm-hmm. stories and kids are for better or worse fascinated by death. You know, they're kind of starting to figure it out. They're starting to ask questions and with it being this kind of, uh, not making light of death, but it's kind of you're telling this absurdist story together collectively and then having some sort of dramatic ending to it. I think one thing that's been really nice for the adults, I I usually do playing tests with adults for the game. It's a, a little bit of, you know, absolution of kind of, you know, like our collective dread of this experience and to be able to just like, talk about it, poke at it, examine it a little bit. I think it's something that kids do all the time, even though it's not necessarily something we want to be like, well, we don't want kids to think about death or worry about death, but, um, you know, something they talk about and like stories and, and the interesting thing about, and then we died too, is it's like it, at least for the people I've played with, it's not really gruesome, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, and for anyone listening who doesn't know, the, the conceit of it is like you're using these cards to make words and then point to someone they have to work the word into the story so you might think like oh you know someone might say like oh and someone came and you know like tore everyone's head off and there's blood everywhere like I've never actually had a story like that it's more mm-hmm. just um a behind the scenes kind of thing like we jumped through an interdimensional rift and you know sadly our molecules were torn asunder or something usually tends to be a little more poetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it's interesting. I think kids are very aware of these things and interested and can handle. And I think it can be healthy, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for kids to do this. But on the flip side of that, there is uh, the perception of it. Something you had mentioned, um, exploding kittens i believe earlier yeah, yeah, yeah and the target audience like what is the age for this and this is something you know i have parents come into mox boarding house they're like is this appropriate for my child or my niece or whatever it's like that is a very you question <laughs> like that for some parents are just like you know i'll mention they might not know about the game and I'm like well just so you know it's got kind of like this theme to it and there's like the cats or there's a bomb shaped cat and stuff and some parents are like okay, why would I care about that? And then other parents are like, oh, I don't know, you know, that doesn't really seem appropriate. So there's such a huge range of parenting styles and what parents are comfortable with. Um, So I think that's the main thing with designing for family target versus not family target. It's more about uh, the perception and the, the comfort level that the parents will have with the, with the perception of it, you know, not even the gameplay, like the kids will love it. I guarantee you like the exploding kittens, all the kids love those kinds of things, but yeah. the parents aren't always so, so cool with it. Well, and, and I think maybe I misspoke, misspoke a little bit um, mm. about, uh, you know, and, and then we died not for kids. Like I have like, I guess different definition, like, and, and it will change that today for kids. Yeah. Like I, I look at it as like, I, I think that's a game that's perfectly like playable by, you know, fifth or sixth graders and up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, they are very much kids. Absolutely. Yeah. are kids. They're not even preteens at that age. Um, I guess they kind of are, but they're not, they're not anywhere near being a teenager or like really having any kind of control in their life. They're just kind of, you know, 
getting to that point of where like they're realizing what money's worth and yeah um, and that's so i i when i usually when i say games for kids i'm i'm probably always imagining like your your first or second graders and younger and then Mm -hmm. like to me that's one group um with like the third through fifth graders kind of being in this like aloof group where they could go either way yeah Uh, and then you have your your fifth slash sixth graders and older that are like just another tier where obviously depending on the maturity of Mm -hmm. game and and the kid themselves um it would depend so like because like my kid my son who's going to be seven is very into goosebumps um, yeah at, okay. at least into at least into the idea of goosebumps yeah because like he's just learning to read and huh. and um well, i shouldn't say just i mean he's uh, he's been reading for a while but like yeah. he's yeah. he's and i don't know what two blue means but he just got bumped up to two blue um it, it's like Sounds a step good. below chapter books <laughs> i think okay uh, and like he can pick up like a chapter book and and read maybe like 80 percent of the words or something nice. and so, so he loves the idea of Goosebumps. He loves the idea of us reading him Goosebumps books. Um, he's watched the first movie, uh, as in the RL or the uh, Jack Black one. Uh, mm. on Netflix. He, yeah. he's watched that, and like he's perfectly fine with like that kind of slapstick horror. But like <clears throat> my son uh, is someone who maybe, um, and I don't even know uh, yet, <laughs> uh, but maybe he just got comfortable with the idea of guns um, and like was always okay with it in a video game but if we turned on a movie or a tv show with a gun mm. like would freak out until very recently yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so and he would and and very much was like um like i wouldn't be surprised if he if he's um like his mom and and uh it gets has high uh anxiety levels when he's older and stuff like he's very much in that mode so like and and then we died is not a game I would introduce to him. Yeah, probably yeah. even when he even even when he's ten. Uh, my daughter, on the other hand, who is uh, not even five yet, I think I could probably introduce it to her now uh, because mm. she is a monster uh, and, <laughs> and and the devil reincarnated. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so so yeah, I I think that, that I guess I don't I don't know a better way to I, I guess you kind of phrased it better when. Um, family games versus non-family games so yeah. because because kids can play non-family games yeah that's a, that's a good way to put it so, so that's more so what i meant than yeah kids versus not kids well i am like the idea kids playing games you know i'm very passionate about this idea of like getting together like just seeing them so passionate and excited about these things uh and because so uh, phil my husband his mom came out came out here she loves playing my games and testing them. I I didn't think she'd be the target audience for And Then We Died, but she wanted to play it. Uh, so we did. We went through it. And she was mostly cool with it. Uh, but for his niece, she's like, you know, I don't think that that would necessarily be a good fit for her. So we really got the wheels turning. And, you know, I want to have that storytelling experience for a family audience. So I'm working on this other idea called... Uh, Roughly, <laughs> you see what happened was based <laughs> on something that my friend's five-year-old likes to say when he asks her, like, what happens? Like, where are all your French fries? And she launches into this, like, elaborate five-year-old storytelling mode, which you might be familiar with. Um, yes. And just all this stuff starts coming out. So using the same format of the cards, but having it be, like, um, you make a word, it's like uh, door. It's like mom wants to know what happened to the door 
And then from there, using the words to kind of build up this elaborate story. So I'm excited to test it out in a more family friendly way. Oh my God. Cause that would, <laughs> that, yeah. like, uh, you know, my, my son, the one thing besides his looks, uh, which is not a good thing that he gets from me. <laughs> Uh, the, the one other thing he gets from me, because uh, he's very much his mom attitude wise, but mm. is his love of his own voice. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a reason I have uh, a podcast or, or <laughs> I've been podcasting for like 11 years and, and mm. um, often don't let my guests talk that much uh, is because I, I just I love conversation and I love listening to people. But I, I, I just have a lot to say because um, yeah. I'm always usually interested in whoever I'm speaking with. Uh, and so, so that's, yeah, 100% my son is, uh, maybe not with the, see what happened was yeah. phrasing, but totally will be like, Hey dad, let me tell you this. And then like <laughs> 10 minutes later, I'm like, so what's the point, dude? Like <laughs> you, you had lunch with Michael C. Okay. Okay. That's two seconds. We got it done in two seconds. Yeah. Uh, so tale. yeah. So that's pretty exciting to hear like the, the um, family friendly version of that yeah. or like the younger kid yeah. version of that. Yeah. Or uh, even just people, you know, not everybody like the death one is, yeah. it's just funny. It's, it's always funny, but some people do Yeah. Well, and like, I, you know, I'm really excited to, to play that game um, because I, I, I guess I got a, an email from uh, through like the PAX Unplugged media list about, mm. uh, about that booth. Um, uh, what, what was uh what was the publisher's booth again killjoy um yes killjoy yeah i was like I, it's like a name of a kevin smith movie that he's making <laughs> and it's, it's yeah um and uh and like that i was very much in the market for like talking with people that were doing role-playing games mm, uh, yeah. because that's kind of like my huge focus right now um even though like on sunday it was actually the opposite my huge focus was actually like actual board games and, and whatnot mm. um so when i when i saw that game and like went on a deep dive on i was like oh this is kind of like this is kind of like that like a, a lot of the games that killjoy has here are just like micro rpgs really yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah. so so like i'm super excited to sit down and play uh play it especially since like i am kind of that person who's like never really reconciled with the idea of i'm gonna die one day like right. i at 34 going on 35 like i very much know that it's it's coming closer uh and like two two years ago uh almost two and a half years ago uh we um lost my uncle who was like mm. a, a big brother to me uh he was he would have been 50 in 2018 oh. uh december in december of 2018 and, and he passed just before that in 2016 so he's 47 mm. um from cancer and so like that rocked me to my core um when robin williams passed like that mm. was the first like celebrity death that like meant something to me uh so like very much in the last like five to ten years uh the idea of death has come up a lot for me and it's like um, I actually had a really cool conversation in the first year that I did this podcast um, with Erin McGathy, who, uh, for those that don't know, uh, she is a comedian originally from the L.A. area, uh, now in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and uh, she's also a podcaster, though I don't think she's actually released uh, an episode in quite some time. But she was like kind of one of my podcast role models that I was like super stoked to have on the show. Um, and in Ireland, like they like they don't do death the same way we we do over here like it's right. more of like a happy smiling celebration of one's life yeah um and like that was such an eye-opening experience to me that like 
like I need to find out a way to, cause I don't want to die. Like I, me, I, I never want to, like, I want to find a way to live forever because yeah, I, yeah. I, and I know that comes with a lot of consequences of like watching everyone, you know, and love die. Hmm. But like, and I don't know what this says about me, but like, I don't want to die. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, and maybe I'll, I'd be different if I saw someone that I, I mean, I did see someone that I love die. Um, but very much like that doesn't change my mind that like, and maybe it's because I feel like I have so much to do in my life uh, that I have the feeling of not wanting to die. But I feel like a game, like, and then we die, kind of can be, like, almost therapeutic uh, in a way. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's this idea of coming, like, glancing up against something. You know, you're never really staring at it full in the face. And honestly, for most of the game, it's like, you know, I was like, oh, and then we died. We're playing as ghosts, trying to figure out how we died so we can pass on to the other side and it's it's not hanging over your head it's like you know that at the beginning but then you tell this whole wacky story and it's not about death at all honestly like the stories are just the most fantastical whether it's like uh rituals or bears in the woods or traveling into space you know it's always this just amazing journey on you play as a group of friends you go on an amazing journey together and then eventually the journey has to end, you know, as all journeys end. And, and then it's, it's funny and thoughtful. People sit back and just have a kind of like a huh moment. You know, we just did that. And you're not really thinking, honestly, most of the time about like death or even like looking at it, you're like, oh, we just like told a story together, but I think just being able to say the words sometimes it's like, and then we died, you know, just like saying those words can be helps, you know, a lot of times the things that stress us out or scare us or anxious about, or we just can't talk about them. We hide them. You know, we don't share them with the people in our lives and just like kind of talking about death, but in a silly way, it's, yeah, yeah it's relieving. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I think that's like, uh, and honestly, like going back to my son, who I think um, has like, it's such a, I think would be a touchy subject with him. I actually think Mm -hmm. it would be like, maybe not, maybe he needs to be a little bit older to handle it. But Mm -hmm. like, I think it's totally a game that like would be beneficial to sit down and play with him in some manner. Like if, especially like, and I say that like, he kind of is getting better with things, but like, uh, you know, depending on how he develops in the next few years, it totally could be a game that like helps him, especially like, I, like I said, I'm very excited to sit down and play uh, when yeah. we have our, our uh, friends game night uh, in, the, in the next month or so. Hey, uh, because like it spoke to me when, <laughs> uh, when I saw mm. it on, in that email, mm-hmm. um, it was very much out of all like the marketing that was done for PAX Unplugged and, and all the emails that were sent to um, the media uh, uh, Killjoy was really the only role-playing game stuff sent out hmm. um, to the media, at least to me. Maybe maybe there there was other media that got that got other emails. I don't, yeah. I don't know how that works, but um, and and I mean, really, like, and and maybe I didn't, I didn't pay attention enough walking the floor, but it seemed like there, like, you know, my my definition of, of tabletop, I think, is actually kind of warped in the sense because of podcasts, because of actual play podcasts, it is. You know, I think a lot of people who are coming into the, the, the hobby, especially if they're coming through 
podcasting, they hear tabletop, and I think they might actually be thinking tabletop role playing games like D oh, yeah. or yeah, Dungeon yeah. World yeah. or something. Yeah, but Pax <laughs> Unplugged is very much not that. Like, it, I mean, it is. There's that that part of it's very much there and yeah. and thriving, but it's it's so much more and so much like more like. Like I said, my first year at Pax Unplugged, I actually, and I was a, I was a paying customer that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually very much hated it. Like it was not the time for me, yeah. Um, yeah. but they did listen to everyone that um, responded to their survey and they made mm-hmm. a lot of changes, I think, um, that were super beneficial. Like uh, it was a 180 experience for me at Pax 2018 and um I like, I loved going around playing games and talking to, you know, uh, some game designers and other podcasters and like just hanging out with my son for a day. And, yeah. and, and so, um, yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's exciting to see that the fact, like, I'm kind of just realizing this year that, that when I go to PAX Unplugged or I go to something that's tabletop involved, it's, it's very much more than just, uh, role-playing games, um, and there's a like, like, so what else are you, you know, we talked about, and then we died, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, one more thing on that, like, where did that idea come from? Like with using the tarot cards and then fragmented words, mm. like, what, what brought that idea on before you kind of move on to some final questions? <laughs> As with more and more of my ideas I'm finding from dreams, oh. it, it seems almost corny to to say it but I don't know what happens in my head at night but I wake up and sometimes it's terrible because I'm like I need three-sided cards like like a playing card but instead of having two sides it has three sides so I can flip it over another time and my logical brain is just like what why (laughs) Uh, but some of the stuff is good uh, for the tarot in particular, that was all Killjoy. The the art and the style of it, when I was playtesting it, I had it on just look like crumpled pieces of paper, like you were in uh, just a cabin in the woods and you were finding someone's journal or something. Oh, so, that's kind of neat. Yeah, so um, it was... I... Theme, like story-wise, like mechanics-wise, I very early on... Originally, I wanted to use have people seeing visions in like pictures because the whole game kind of came from this idea of like uh it's creepy and you're like seeing things you can't quite figure out what it is but you're seeing something you're trying to figure it out and i couldn't figure out how to make it work with pictures but then i was like well people see words and letters so if they put just just put letters together they're gonna see words so it's gonna have that mechanic to it and I just took it in so many directions. Like at one point you were locked in a cabin with these ghosts and the ghosts are trying to speak through you. At another point you were uh, on the banks of the river Styx and you're trying, it was competitive. You're trying to barter for the coins so you could travel over the river Styx because I'd done so many things, you know, I, I hadn't really settled on the, the theme idea for it. So with Killjoy coming in and being able to say like, Hey, tarot cards you know this is a recognizable but also open source so it's something that we can use and this idea of seeing visions it like people look to tarot cards to be inspired and get inspiration for tarot readings from but it's like hey you know what if you're looking into the cards and like a, a ouija sort of a sense you know like speaking with the dead except you're the dead so it's all these different cool layers to it and you know that's something that didn't even cross my mind as far as like the the design element of this game and like the fact that 
it could take it, it wasn't like this from the beginning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I recently had uh, Jeff Stormer on, who, who's a buddy of mine, um, but he, he's also the designer of Mission Accomplished, a uh, mm. tabletop RPG game that recently funded on Kickstarter. Um, and uh, I had him on to very specifically talk about uh, that and, and the design process. And yeah, I mean, of course, that game wasn't always on tarot cards. And uh, <laughs> of course, it wasn't a, a collective story game. It was at one point a competitive game like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, and this is, I think like the, something that like I have trouble reconciling when I'm sitting down with an idea to like, Hey, I want to design a game. Here's like mm-hmm. my baseline idea. And then I put it away for a couple of months because like, I just have so much going on in my head yeah. because I can't yeah. prioritize anything. Cause I'm, I'm a man child. <laughs> uh, but like, I think the, the, the like dirty little secret about game design that like I, no one ever says, I think is like, Hey, it's going to take a really long time, and it, whatever idea you have is probably not going to be anything like it ends up being. Um, oh yeah. So, oh, so yeah. like, how long was this game? Like, when did you start with? And then we died. Oh my gosh. Um, well, back then Estimate. it was called uh, Confabio Rasa. Yes, I did see that on yeah. uh, I guess your website on on mlarkins.com. Yeah. Um, I think from start to finish it was about three years because it was oh man I remember because I was doing my I was working my first game Heart Catchers and that had been kick-started and was like getting ready to be published and I had a brief stint where I was like I had been working at a billiards parlor and it was before I got my job working as a video game marketing person and didn't have a lot going on for a couple of months and that kind of arose in that time period. So it did that. I got the marketing job and so I really didn't have a chance to work on it for a year and then kind of came back to it and really started grinding on it. And as you said, that's the secret for to game design is grind, just like play testing because you have to like test, get the idea out, produce it, make it playable put it in front of people inevitably just shatters every vision you had that something would work take it back in your like wounded soul (laughs) uh put it back together do it again just over and over and over again it does it takes a lot of time I, uh, I, I, I'm not, I never had a wounded soul quite yet from, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not gonna even say game design. Cause that's like a really poor thing for me to say about what I'm working on. But mm-hmm. like, I, I had this, I, <coughs> excuse me. I, um, I, I was, I wanted to work on this role-playing game system cause it's something I'm just big in. And I, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted for a podcast that I used to do that I'm rebooting as a actual play podcast at some point. Like I was like, let me just like design something from the ground up and like literally said it like that. Like, Oh, let me just design something from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I was like, I want to do something that's like easy mechanics, blah, 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 blah. And for like a year, me and my friend were talking back, like literally just talking about it yeah. back and forth. And then I finally just like said, this is bullshit. It's not going to work. <laughs> and just threw like a, a notebook away. Uh, that oh I had God. full of notes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then like, just very recently said like, maybe like for my first thing, I should just like, look at like adapt, like powered by the apocalypse for instance. Mm. Like, that's like, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. that's, maybe that's the route I need to take as like a, a, a first time like designer. That, and then of course, like on Twitter, I saw something very recently that like is like a quick little, contest to submit for uh on itch.io and i was like oh right. and i came up with an idea for that that i'm in the process yeah. of 
writing uh but i have to be very quick about it because i have like less than a week to submit it uh but like so that i'm not gonna have to be i'm not gonna be able to throw anything away but like yeah like it didn't crush my soul because like i say like i threw a whole notebook of notes away but like literally it was just like notes that had scrambled like i I scribbled things out and then there was another page i scribbled things out so it was just like i never could land on something that felt like it would work like and whatnot and and i guess like i guess i was doing game design and not really realizing it uh oh yeah yeah absolutely uh but it is like i you know it's just do you work on like multiple projects at once? Because it, it seems like it would be entirely frustrating to, you know, as a creative person have um, like only the ability to output something every like one to three years. Um, and, and I say that as a podcaster who tries to do, I try to put something out at least once a week. Um, so, so that like, and that's my angle from being a creative personality is, is like, Oh, I can get something out once a week. That's why my game design has to happen in a week. Right. Interesting. Yeah. That's, especially if you want to make a living off the game design, you definitely need to make something more frequently than one to to three years. And for that project in particular, there was like a whole year span and then multiple month chunks where there's literally no motion on it. While I say that, like you were saying, oh, you threw the notebook away. It's like, that's kind of okay because the important part of it was you thinking about it, you talking about it, like these things are still moving around in your head. Like that's where the design happens is in your head. You know, you have to play test it and, you know, work out the mechanics of it in meat space, I guess. But a lot of stuff is going on even when there isn't necessarily, um, you know, visual like evidence of stuff happening. So I definitely have multiple things going on, depending on the stages of development, they're all very different. Mm -hmm. So like ideation, you can just sit there, like pop out 10 ideas in half an hour, you know, that happens very fast for the first prototyping. That can happen very fast. Um, And then like the testing of it and sending off to publishers, you're not doing anything, you know, you're just kind of waiting to get feedback. So there's a lot of different phases and having different projects in those different stages can kind of have you always coming back to something. Actually, just yesterday had an experience that brought it all back to me because I'm still working on my game. I made an all artichokes, this kid's family game that I'm working on. And that's been in development. So I've been just honing that like hardcore for a year, just like test after test and haven't gotten a lot of new stuff going mm-hmm. and feeling kind of bad about it, you know, cause I'm like, I need to like fill up my pipeline. I need to just like have stuff going, but I've been, I'd fizzled a couple of things and I was feeling pretty bad about it. And I was like, I'm not doing anything, you know, just frustrating. Like, why aren't I doing anything? And then a, a publisher actually reached out to me and said like, Hey, you know, what are you working on now? I want to see some of your stuff. I'm like, shoot, I, they're re- I'm not going to not have something to show them. So just that impetus. And like I said, like that buildup of just you're, you're working on things in the background, even though when you don't, even when you don't have anything to show for it. And over the span of an hour, like I had a game. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was, a distillation of an idea I'd been talking about uh, with Phil and with some other people for a couple of days. 
And again, having that experience and play testing a lot and having your brain just like, it's a skill, you know, it's something that you can get better at over time. So I could actually able to produce something testable um, in a very short period of time. So it does take a long stretch sometimes, but the actual actions of game design can happen pretty quickly. And that's what's great about tabletop as opposed to digital. You know, digital takes time to produce something playable, whereas tabletop, you can make a prototype in an hour. Yeah, I have a, a buddy, um, uh, Mike D'Angelo, who uh, created this game called Quantum Quest, um, and it's it's kind of like uh, like a dungeon crawl, like a, mm. a roguelike dungeon crawl game, um, kind of inspired by uh, Boss Monster and nice. whatnot. Um, and it's um, it, it, like I, that design. I mean, God, I, I forgot like that. I'm actually pretty in the know about this stuff because i he's my best friend and i was yeah. part of it i'm part of like his journey for yeah. like five years of designing yeah. this game um so uh but yeah i i i do remember very like one of the first play tests we did was uh in a uh red robin on like index cards. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and and that's what i love about uh and, and i'm sure not all game designers like this especially like in the the major um uh, companies and, and publishers and stuff, but I, I'm, you know, I grew up uh, watching Kevin Smith, so I'm a big mm-hmm. um, indie fan. Like I love yeah. indie, uh, indie. Like I, I'd much rather listen to local uh, unsigned bands or, mm. or just unsigned bands in general than like anything in the mainstream. Uh, not that I'm a big music guy, I'm more of a talk guy anyway. Um, I much rather listen to like independent podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. even though I do listen to some of the major podcasts, and I do very much love like the independent game publishers and i and i think why i love independent and and i think it harkens back to when i was a wrestler and and, and an independent wrestler Mm -hmm. is is that it's just so hardcore like it's it's um grungy i guess i mean i I guess that's where it kind of originated with the punks you know and uh i just love how you're right how quick it can be done and Mm. it's okay if it's quick and dirty yeah uh during that initial phase you just get this like raw, right? This yeah. experience and it's not perfect and it's rough around the edges, but it's an experience you would never have in right. any other way. Right. Right. And I, like, I, I just, I can't imagine, I mean, maybe it's the same, but I just don't imagine that being the same at like, say wizards of the coast, mm. um, not taking a crap on them. I, I, I love, uh, I mean, I don't play it anymore, but I, I loved as a kid, magic, the gathering mm-hmm. Dungeons and dragons is great. Um, I, I love what that company does. I love wizard world. Uh, they mm. let me do a panel at their thing. Please don't not let me come back to your panels. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, but, but I just imagine like designing a game for, uh, Wizards of the Coast is a completely different experience than maybe designing something either for yourself or for Killjoy or, or something that's a little bit more indie. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, Emmett, there is so much that I feel like we could have gotten to, uh, that, that we didn't, <laughs> yeah. uh, because we had that fascinating weather talk at the top of the show. Very uh, <laughs> it was important. You know, we need to let people know that it's, uh, it's, Save for the earthquakes uh, or the tornadoes, rather, that you yeah. have. Wait, do you have earthquakes, too? Uh, a little bit. Oh, my God. Is, oh, <laughs> I'm so sold off. <laughs> uh, so, so save for those two things. Uh, Seattle and the Washington area is actually a really great place to live uh, from what I from Yeah. Uh, and Philadelphia is garbage because uh, of all the snow and uh, literally garbage on the streets. Mm. Uh, but uh, Emma, why don't you get some plugs out there so people can find your work on social media and the Internet and all that fun stuff? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm Emma Larkins pretty much everywhere. My website, emmalarkins.com, connects to most things. I'm most active on Twitter. Very excited to share stuff and just like chat if people have questions on there. So yeah, Emma Larkins on Twitter and Instagram. My game and then we died is should be available through the Killjoy website, but also we're going to be at PAX East. So if you haven't gotten a copy yet, you should grab one there. And uh, I'm hoping that when we sit down and play that game, everyone is okay with me putting a microphone in the center of the table. Uh, and I very much plan on recording it and airing it on this feed at some point. So oh, I'd love that. Uh, so, so I'm hoping that that happens. Uh, nice. And I'll let you know. I'll tag you, obviously, when we, that happens. Um, and uh, Emma, I hope you come back because I feel like there's so much uh, that we didn't get to talk about with like your video game or your digital work, at least, mm. uh, and all that fun stuff. So uh, please come back sometime. Yeah, this was super fun. I'd love to. All right, and I'm going to throw it to... This is always the awkward part. I'm going to throw it to me in the past, or future, or wherever I am. Thank you to Emma for being on the show. Uh, What a great conversation we had. Um, And I'm really excited to um, sit down. I still haven't had a chance to sit down and play. And then we died. I fought a lot of games since PAX 2018, PAX Unplugged 2018. I have bought a lot of games that I have yet to play. Um, But I'm actually uh, sitting down to make plans to play that, the game that I designed, and a few other games uh, in the next couple months here. Um, So be on the lookout for that because we'll probably sit down and record And Then We Died. And I'm really excited to sit down and and, uh, uh, play that. Um, and, and again, apologies to Emma for how long it took to get this episode up. Um, and as I've explained in previous episodes, just kind of a mental break, you know, it's, it happens to the best of us. Um, and, uh, but we got it out there, uh, great conversation about game design and stuff. So I don't think we really, uh, you know, that, that's not, a, that's not a dated conversation. Um, that part of it at the very least, uh, at the time though, I don't believe, um, she was the host of Luda and I, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Ludology. Um, so, so make sure you check that out. Table takes L U D O L O G Y and table takes as it sounds table T A K E S. Uh, and again, check out emmalarkins.com or at Emma Larkins on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Uh, and you know, this week, yesterday we posted, uh, the state of the pod, 2019 state of the pod. Today was Emma's episode. This is the week of awesome. Okay, guys. Uh, the next tomorrow's episode is our podiversary episode. Uh, I'm a, a big old dummy and I took notes down for our Philadelphia podcast festival show. Uh, but if I'm remembering correctly, because this year's podiversary, um, event was really, really good. It was the, uh, 2019 headstrong. Everything is awesome. Headstrong comedy festival. So it was a four venue event. Um, I really enjoyed putting it together. Uh, and, uh, I, if I remember correctly, whew, uh, we actually had, uh, it was obviously Mike was there as my co-host, but we also had, uh, my good buddy Garrett Smith on. We sat down and chatted movies. And then we also had, uh, a former, uh, Philadelphia's funniest, uh, winner, uh, Abby Rosenquist was also on, uh, the show, if I remember correctly. Uh, and of course I don't have any of those plugs in front of me. Um, but we, we talked movies, we talked comedy, we talked, uh, just a lot. I don't know. We talked about good things. Check that out tomorrow. We also have this week coming up, uh, on the show, Casey Spivey in the audio dungeon right here on awesomepodcast.com. Make sure you find us there or on thatentertains.com slash network where you can find all the great shows on the That's Entertainment, uh, podcast network. Uh, and you know what we mentioned, Casey, including Casey, she has uh, started her own podcast called Wow Women on Women uh, by the Blonde Jokes. It's her and her comedy uh, partner, uh, Heidi, from the Blonde Jokes 
sitting around and talking about uh, news and pop culture uh, from a woman's perspective. Um, and it's, it's a really great show. I'm really proud of that show. And I'm so excited that that's part of our network, uh, that launched, uh, not long after Casey actually recorded, uh, sat down and recorded a podcast with me. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was you, that will be part of tomorrow's conversation. And then, um, uh, you know, so check that out on that entertains.com slash network along with all the other great shows, including everything is awesome. Uh, and if you want to support this show, there's a, bunch of ways to do it patreon.com slash that nerdy kev ko-fi.com slash that nerdy kev um but if you you know as we say in 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 the outro at at the end of the show later uh you know if if you can't do it um that's fine spread the word just tell people the show word of mouth recommendations are actually one of the best ways um and very specifically uh those itunes reviews on or apple podcast reviews those five star rating and reviews um, help us, you know, the more of those we have, the, the more people that will find the show and the more people listening to the show, uh, hopefully will lead to us doing cool and fun things like we've done, um, cons at Wizard World and the Great Philadelphia Comic Con, New York Comic Con, not New York, well, I guess we weren't officially part of New York Comic Con that year, but we were there. Um, so, you know, j- come out, support us however you can, Patreon, Ko-Fi, dot com slash that nerdy cab on both of those uh or just a uh, five-star rating and reviews um and and uh thanks guys for listening and uh make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow when we sit down with uh garrett smith from uh cinema 76 and of course i like to movie movie as well as abby rosenquist the uh god uh let's see if i remember this uh by way of austin by way of Philly, by way of New York, uh, a great comedian that was once part of the Philadelphia comedy scene uh, right here on awesomepodcast.com. We like to end everything as awesome with a call to action. Super friends, there are a lot of terrible things happening in the world right now. It can feel like you can't do anything to help, but you can. It takes people like you and me to make a difference. One of the easiest and most effective ways to action is to call your representatives about issues that are important to you. Issues like LGBTQ rights. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects people from discrimination based on race, skin color, sex, religion, and national origin. However, the Act's crucial anti-discrimination provisions do not protect against discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Thus, in the 30 states without robust LGBTQ anti-discrimination laws, LGBTQ people can legally be fired, harassed at work, barred from businesses, denied housing, and more because of their sexual orientation and or gender identity. On March 13, 2019, Democrats in the House and Senate introduced H.R. 5, the Equality Act, to remedy the issue. The bill would provide necessary national-level protections for LGBTQ people by updating existing laws like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to explicitly ban discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation. The law would also revise the Civil Rights Act to ban sex-based discrimination in public spaces and services such as retail stores, pharmacies, and transit, as well as in federally funded programs. The Equality Act was first introduced in 2015. Polling demonstrates that majorities of Americans across nearly all demographic groups, including political party, support non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people. Earlier this year, the House passed the Equality Act in a 236 to 173 vote. The legislation now sits with the Senate for consideration. We must capitalize on this momentum to secure national level protections for LGBTQ people and extend protection against sex discrimination beyond federal programs to the private sector. When I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, You'll find issue summaries for issues that are important to you, contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure your message gets across. 
Calling is quick, easy, and is one of the most effective ways to have your voice heard. Thank you to all our supporters on Patreon.com slash ThatNerdyKev and Ko-Fi.com slash ThatNerdyKev. Without their support, we want to be able to bring this awesome episode to you. If you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word-of-mouth recommendations and a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts are the best ways to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at RealAwesomePod or at AwesomePodcast on Instagram. We're available on awesomepodcast.com or thatentertains.com slash network. Get news about everything is awesome from our website, social media accounts, or my personal Twitter at thatnerdykev. You can also join our Discord server at bit.ly slash awesomediscord or join our newsletter at bit.ly slash thatentertainsnewsletter. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast, or have a question or comment, email us at awesome at crudehumorstudios.com. Everything is Awesome is a production of That's Entertainment Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio, video, and live performances. You can find more info at crudehumorstudios.com. Thanks for listening, super friends. We've been awesome. That's Entertainment Podcast Network. Entertainment and culture. Artist owned. Fan supported.